Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Hi, this is Dan Miller. Welcome into this edition of 48 Days Online Radio, where each week we set back, take about 48 minutes and look at the value of the work that we're doing, knowing that we're not only creating work that matters, but we're creating a life that matters. Hope you're having a great week. Got a lot of great stuff to cover with this week with you here. I want to share with you a little bit about just what I did this morning. Had an opportunity to go to an early morning breakfast where Jessica Jackley was the speaker. There's a new entrepreneur center here in Nashville. A friend of mine is operating that wonderful place where entrepreneurs can pay a very minimal fee to have working space there and then also the brain working tr- power of getting advice from people who are experienced in a lot of areas. Just a great concept, kind of a business incubator. But anyway, Jessica Jackley was the speaker this morning and I was invited, took my son Jared and his wife, Ilea, along with me because they are right in the thick of social entrepreneurship and Jessica Jackley is as well. If you don't recognize that name, she was a co-founder of Kiva, K-I-V-A.org, Kiva.org. You hear me talk about that on here a lot. It's a place where I go and I search out entrepreneurs around the world who are doing interesting things, make a little investment in their business. That is a loan to them. They then pay it back. And then I just reinvest it somewhere else, you know, small dollar amounts, but it's a wonderful program. They've now distributed over $150 million in doing that. Jessica recognized that just giving money to people was a crippling kind of process. It's a humiliating kind of thing for the person receiving And there's really no accountability and typically no real change. Whereas a loan, even if the lender doesn't need the money back, there's something that happens in that transaction that makes the person feel more accountable for using the money well and doing something with it. That's been a very successful process that's been proven time and time again. People like Muhammad Yunus, who started Grameen Bank years ago. He won the Nobel Peace Prize a couple of years ago because of his work in that area, making micro-enterprise loans. But anyway, Jessica was there. Now, her, her newest venture is ProFounder, and uh, you can look at that, ProFounder.com. That's a method of raising funds. Now, a couple weeks ago, you heard me talk about all these new opportunities for crowdfunding, where if you have an idea and you need some money, there are places like Kickstarter where you can go and get that. Well, ProFounder ramps that up a little bit just because of the concept I just described. With Kickstarter and a whole lot of others out there, you can just put up an idea. And if people think it's a fun idea, they can just uh, contribute and give you money. Incidentally, 87% of funding for startups comes from family and friends. 87%. It's what we call love money. So it's not people going to the bank or getting venture capital or some kind of investment put in their company. 87%. That means only 13% is getting any kind of traditional financing. So we're seeing the formalization of friends and family being able to give you money is exactly what's happening with things like Kickstarter where they, they can go in there and there's a formalized way that they can give you money. Now with Kickstarter and a lot of others, it's still just a process of donations. So if they think you're working on a cool idea... I mean, a couple months ago, a couple guys here from Franklin, Tennessee, wanted to save the Blue Like Jazz movie 
where Donald Miller, the author of that book, had announced that even though they had done some production work, it was on hold because the production company ran out of money for that project. So a couple guys said, well, we think that's a cool idea. We want to help you get that finished. So they put it up on Kickstarter, said that they wanted to raise $125,000, and they in fact have raised $345,000 as of this date. And that's purely people giving money. Profounder, what Jessica Jackley is doing, and what we talked to her about this morning, is putting an idea out there. It's not people getting shares of your company, but they're making an investment in your company where they do expect to be paid back. So it's much like Kiva, although now instead of talking about you know $25, we're talking about you may need to raise fifty dollars or $100,000. So you can put the idea out there, still share the idea with friends and family, but it's a little, it's not as awkward as asking Uncle Harry, you know, across the Thanksgiving turkey table, you know, if he'd be willing to give you five grand for your business. It's a way to formalize it. You can really lay out what it is you're doing, but it's a very legitimate way. They've gone through all the SEC requirements. So... And as much as raising money is tricky, you can't just do a public offering. That's very tricky and you can get in trouble if you're giving people the impression that they're investing in your company. They're going to have some kind of a guaranteed return. But anyway, Profounder, it was just a delight to to meet Jessica and to hear her story personally. And uh, she's, she's a, a very unsophisticated young gal, but extremely knowledgeable. She's just sharp as a tack in understanding how these things work and has obviously put together these organizations that are generating millions and millions of dollars. Here's what I was sharing. I'm going to get off this and go on. She, somebody asked her, what are the biggest mistakes entrepreneurs make? She very quickly responded. She said, here's the top three. Number one is lack of focus. She said, especially people who are social entrepreneurs, people who want to help others, make the world a better place, do something noble, do be humanitarian, all those things we hear lack of focus. They in particular want to do everything. Well, you can't do everything. Now this is going to relate to some of the questions I'm going to address today because this comes up again and again and again. How do I create a focus? And she says that's the number one mistake that entrepreneurs make, not having a clear focus. Number two, not being willing to say no. I had an interesting conversation with the friend of mine, one of the guys very active and one of our leaders at 48days.net about an opportunity that he was just recently given. And it was an amazing opportunity. But when he really dug down and looked at family issues and where they wanted to live and connections and all those kind of things, he ultimately said no to an opportunity that most people would have just jumped at immediately. And I said, you know, that was a great exercise. I, I think you did the right thing. If you're at peace with that, then no is the right answer. But I said, it's a process you ought to get used to because anytime you start experiencing a little bit of success, you better be willing to say no because you can't just keep saying yes to everything that comes along. It's just not going to work. So be prepared to learn how to say no. That's number two. Number three, mistakes that entrepreneurs made, indecision. She actually said hesitation first. She said just hesitation cripples a lot of entrepreneurs. They just aren't willing to pull the trigger, simply not starting. So lack of focus, not being willing to say no, and indecision, the three biggest mistakes entrepreneurs make. Well, let me give you an overview of some of the things we're going to cover today. Is it prudent to write with a pseudonym? Can you write material 
using a name other than your own. Yeah, we'll have some fun with that. I'll give you some opinions and some reasons on that in a little bit here. Uh, Dan, where can a teenage author find a publisher? All right, they're out there. We'll give you some clues. How should I prioritize all of my varied interests? Anything I've been interested in and passionate about seems to have a two-year attention span. Now, what do you do if you experience that where you think, oh, this is really my passion, and then a couple years later, yeah, you're kind of cold on the idea. Does that mean that it was not a passion originally? Does it mean you're, you know, got a mental problem? What, what does it mean? I'll share some thoughts on that. Somebody asked, Dan, can I reprint and sell your material as long as I show you as a copyright holder? No, we'll unpack that and why. Somebody says, isn't it risky moving my family to another country without a career plan? Well, we'll look at how do you create a plan if you want to move your family to another country? What should you do in advance? All right. Well, we, hey, we've got some uh, we've got some fun events coming up here at the Sanctuary Coaching with Excellence, and of course, Right to the Bank. Right to the Bank is almost sold out. The event that we've got coming up, which isn't occurring until April, uh, just had somebody today ask if they could have nine spots in that, and I think that's going to more than max that out. But we got some others coming up later in the year, August and October. But if you're interested in turning your writing into income, jump on it. Make this your year that you really do that. So click on live events, 48days.com or 48days.net, and you can see the events that we've got coming up. Here's our quotation for the day. This one you've probably heard before comes from Cahil Gibran. This is a quote, work is love made visible. And if you cannot work with love, but only with distaste, it is better that you should leave your work and sit at the gate of the temple and take alms of those who work with joy. For if you bake bread with indifference, you bake a bitter bread that feeds but half man's hunger. And if you grudge the crushing of the grapes, your grudge distills a poison in the vine. And if you sing to his angels and love not the singing, you muffle man's ears to the voices of the day and the voices of the night. Wow. Work is love made visible. Is that the way you feel about your work? Is your work love made visible? Do you work with distaste? Can you imagine working with joy? Well, plug yourself in wherever you need to along that line. But ultimately, that is the goal, that your work is simply the way that you love and serve other people made visible. Great kind of visual picture there. Well, Dennis says, Dan, I've been practicing architecture for 10 years, but I'm tired of fighting with contractors. I'm experienced with green home building. So I think I've been thinking about writing an ebook. The problem is there's a huge amount of information out there already. I feel like I would be rewriting material, which is already available. Any suggestions or non ebook ideas? Well, Dennis, let me just say this. There's no topic you're going to find where there is not a huge amount of information already. I mean, when you look at the kind of things that I do, if you put in career coaching in a Google search, you're going to get like 17 million sites or something like that. I mean, I'm sure I'm in there somewhere, but I have no idea where. I haven't tried to position myself along the other career coaches by just, you know, coming up on a Google search. Now, obviously what I've did is create a create a brand 48 days you put that in and I own that so I don't care about the other generic kind of terms but that's what you really have to look at you know you've got a hot current topic when you're talking about green home building so you're you're in the right place I mean look at the books that have been written on diets I mean there's thousands of them but I'm currently reading the eat clean diet 
by Tosca Reno. I mean, it's already sold over 1 million copies. Don't be intimidated by all those other books and resources on green building. If you write on something that no one knows about, you've really got your work cut out for you. You want to write about a common topic, but then you add your unique touch and you can thrive. I mean, when I wrote 48 Days to the Work You Love several years ago, I mean, you could walk in any bookstore in America and there's hundreds of books there on finding a job, finding your passion, starting a business, those kind of things. Just do something unique in terms of how you position it, how you promote it. Now, I'm, I've am i got a book proposal in right now with my publisher, and it's going to be about different generational approaches to work, um, including my son, Jared, in the compiling of that book. And here's one of the things that we're thinking about. We're thinking about having a picture of Jared in with his shirt off, and Jared has a stunning array of tattoos. Uh, Jared is the one that lives in Mombasa, Kenya, and travels around the world. But he has tattoos that are very meaningful on his body. We're thinking about having a shot of him on our promo page for the book where you click on a particular tattoo and it has content that relates to the book. So here's one for free resources. You know, click on uh, Seize the Day tattoo for the community forums where discussions are going on about the book. You know, click on this one where it says, you know, he has mercy and justice on his arms. You know, we click on one of those and you can read a free chapter, see the excerpt in Success Magazine, buy the book and so on. Now, those are the kind of things that I look for. How can we make our book about a subject that's been written about a lot, make it stand out and get attention? And you can do the same. I encourage you to go with what you're talking about. Ebooks are a great way to do it. I usually put ebooks out there, put them out there free. And then when they get a little traction, then I say, wow, we need to turn this into a real product. We're doing that right now with the 48 low-cost business ideas. You can still go to 48days.net. Just click on the post-it note and get that as a free download. But that's been downloaded over 100,000 times now. I mean, that's a lot of traction. That lets me know people are really interested in that. So we're just going to turn it into a real ebook where you can buy it as a digital download or purchase it as a physical product and you can do the same. Now here's an interesting question. Now this was written with an anonymous writer and I don't usually include these but I'm going to because it it makes a good point. He says, Dan, I've written a book in a binder like some of yours and it's how to become porn free like I now am. I want to know if it's prudent to write with a pseudonym. I have a high profile job and if it takes off, I don't want all the attention on me. Now that's a very legitimate positioning. I mean, this is not, you know, hiding behind the curtains, uh, you know, in a way that is not unreasonable at all. This is very reasonable setup. And yes, you certainly can do that. Lots and lots of things that we have out there that we're familiar with are written under pseudonyms. I mean, a lot of the popular names out there of, Authors of books are not the real person. I mean, uh, Mark Twain. Now, everybody knows Mark Twain. Well, that wasn't anybody's real name. That was a pseudonym. That was a writing name for Samuel Clement. Um, Even people like, um, well, how about this? Richard Bachman. Do you recognize that author? Well, it's really Stephen King. He writes in another pseudonym like that. One of Joanne's favorite authors was Victoria Holt. Well, Victoria Holt is a pseudonym. 
the same person as Philippa Carr and Jean Platty. The lady's real name is Eleanor Hibbett. You know, back when writing was really seen as kind of a man's domain, there were a whole lot of ladies that wrote but used men's names so they would have some kind of credibility and wouldn't just be put down. Um, Anne Rice, popular writer. She writes about vampires and witches and so on, And but she writes, um, she writes under the name Anne Rampling as well. Nora Roberts and J.D. Robb are the same author, neither of which are the real name of the author, whose name is Eleanor Wilder. So, yes, that's done a lot. And, and you are certainly uh, legitimate in doing that, especially with the circumstances that you're describing. Just choose a name that you think is a nice pen name, and you can do exactly what you're talking about. Uh, remember the, the movie Date Night out a couple months ago, Steve... Carell and Tina Fey. <laughs> I just thought of this because in the movie, if you saw that movie, you know they went to a, a very popular upscale restaurant and they didn't have a reservation in advance and he was embarrassed because he wanted to impress her, take her out on a date. And so they called out a name in the restaurant. They called out a name several times and nobody responded. So Steve Carell just raised his hand and said, yes, we are the Triple Horns. The name was Triple Horns. Well, I thought it was hilarious. So they pretended to be somebody else's name that came up where they called for him and nobody responded. Now, the story unfolds in the movie. They got in a lot of trouble. The the real triple horns were being tracked down by the mafia, blah, blah, blah. So it was a cute story. But I have several times since then, when we've gone to restaurants, they always ask your name. I've put in triple horns. Uh, Joanne is always amused because she never knows what name they're going to call out where I raise my hand and say, yeah, we're here. You know, I use, you know, Paul Newman and Fred Astaire, and I've used all kinds of names just like that. Now, that's certainly different than writing content. But, yeah, you, there's nothing um, illegal about that or misrepresentative even. You can go ahead and use a pseudonym and write content where you don't want people to know who you as the real author are. Dan, my 15-year-old daughter and her 18-year-old sister are speakers, entertainers for teens and military families. They are very successful touring in 22 states and in the past two years. And they write and record their own original music. Alyssa recently penned a short book about teen issues, bullying, etc. And we're looking for resources for a teen author. We can't seem to find anyone who works with teens. Uh, their websites are chasinghopemusic.com and freetoriseup.com. The girls are very dedicated, believe in what they're doing. Any tip would be appreciated. They live in Brentwood, Tennessee now as a center for their touring and music. Jim. Well, Jim, thanks for your question. I didn't look at your daughter's sites. Your daughters are beautiful and the sites are beautiful. And it looks like they really have a clear handle on what it is that they're doing and a lot of momentum for that. Now, that is the kind of thing that publishers look for. Publishers look for authors who already have a marketing platform. If your daughters are already singing and speaking lots of places as they are, I mean, that is the kind of thing that publishers look for. Now, I say that, you know, recognizing, you know, publishers are running scared right now. There's no question about it. They're being very cautious, especially with new authors. But yeah, there's a lot of players out there. For every publishing house that folds there's about three little small mom and pop independents that pop up anyway but here's a couple things i want you to do a couple years ago um there was a, a young gal here she was about 
when she was 17 years old, she visited 55 professionals across the country and she shadowed their jobs. I mean, she spent a day with Shamu's trainer at SeaWorld. Uh, she spent a day with a shoe designer at Nike. She spent a day in a Broadway theater, uh, with a Broadway theater critic. But her name is Sandra Clark. Now it's S-O-N-D-R-A, Sandra Clark. She has written now, I just checked a little bit ago, she's written seven books that are readily available on Amazon. So just go to Amazon and put in the search field, Sandra with an S, S-O-N-D-R-A Clark, and you'll see her books come up. Look at the publishers that she's used, and they obviously are willing to work with teenage authors. I would just start there. You know, do that. Now, another thing I would recommend that you do is just do a Google search for Seth Godin Domino. Seth Godin, S-E-T-H-G-O-D-I-N. You hear me talk about him a lot as an author. He's got a new project. It's a new way to do publishing, and it's called Domino. So just put in Seth Domino, Seth Godin Domino and read the first blog that comes up where he talks about that project. It'll link it to link you to the project and you can see he's doing a joint venture with Amazon for allowing authors to do their own publishing where it really puts you right in the mix of things. He's got one new project coming out, but anyway, I would encourage you to check that out. And then also you pick up the writer's market. Writer's market is the name of a book. It's a big, thick book. It's a resource book. The 2011 edition is out. I just got it, but it'll give you Access to, you know, seven, eight thousand publishers, newspapers, magazines, anybody like that. But you can actually then search and find publishers who are more attuned to publishing teenage titles. Now, with your daughter's focus, and I see that they're very open about their faith in there as well. I mean, certainly you can contact people even like right here locally in the Brentwood area like Thomas Nelson and then Zondervan Tyndale. Those are going to be other um, high candidate players for the kind of content your daughters are writing. Garrett says, I was wondering if you would recommend your dream job product as a possible class, or is there another product you would recommend? Our church has done Dave's Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University and the congregation has received it very well, but I think that many people in the church could benefit from your teachings and would be very open to it. Now, dream job is a six hour audio program that I have. It does have a workbook in the back, a digital workbook, and a 48-day schedule. But it'd be a little harder to implement that as a seminar or workshop. And I would suggest that you simply look at the 48 days seminar. We have that very developed. I've just done a revision of the workbook. The hardback is brand new. We just picked up our first order of those about two weeks ago. So both the hardback and the workbook have been updated, revised, and the Leader's Guide has been updated as well. And I'll walk you right through the 12 sessions in that. Very easy layout, very easy for somebody to facilitate that. We just started a new program at uh, Brentwood Baptist Church. Just this, well, I did the preview class for them just this last Monday night. They're starting the class next Monday night. Six weeks, two sessions each. So they go through the 12 sessions within the 48 days. That's typically how it's done. But it's clearly laid out. There's DVDs with me teaching the material. So everybody has their worksheets. Everybody goes through it on the same kind of page and timeline. That works really well. I've asked Nathan to get you information, Garrett, on how 
those seminars work. Any of you can do that. If you go to 48days.com, you can go right to our seminars page and get information. If you're interested in teaching that, we'd be delighted to talk to you. Ethan says, hey, 60 words aren't nearly enough to explain. You know, when, when, when you go to submit a question at the podcast link, now there are a couple ways to submit questions. One is you can just shoot a question to askdan at 48days.com. A lot of people know that kind of backdoor approach, but you can also go to the podcast link and it'll give you a little template there that limits you to 60 words. 60 words aren't nearly enough to explain, so I'll just lay everything out. I'm 20 years old, just getting into college. I'm interested in history. That's what I'm studying now. I'd also like to study psychology, learn new languages, play multiple instruments, start a family sometime in the near future. How should I prioritize all of this? Thanks. Well, all you need to do, Ethan, and those are great things that you have listed there. You simply create goals in all those areas. Now, that means that they have timelines. Remember, the difference between a dream and a goal is having a timeline for completion. So don't try to do them all at once. Don't just say, I want to sometime. I wish I could. No, create a timeline. So if right now you're studying history, that's fine. If you want to study psychology, are you going to introduce, you know, and have five classes in psychology as part of your bachelor's degree? Are you going to wait and maybe do a master's in psychology? Are you going to do it on your own? Learn in new languages? Well, so set a goal of learning one a year. So if this year it's Spanish and next year it's Portuguese or next year it's, you know, Italian, just decide when that's going to happen. All of these things are very doable, but the time will slip by and nothing will happen unless you create a clear plan of action. That's all I would encourage you to do. Just create a clear plan of action. I have gotten my uh, formal education and obviously I'm going to put that in quotes because I consider education to take place in many, many ways outside of the classroom. But uh, I have spent a fair amount of time sitting in classrooms as well. But I got my bachelor's degree right straight out of high school and then I waited another five years before I started my master's degree. And then after that, it was another 18 years before I started my doctoral work. I, I wasn't feeling pressured to just rush through. Those were just the times in my life where it seemed appropriate to go back and do that. I have you know, studied other languages. I didn't do any of that other than what I had to have for a Bachelor of Arts degree in college. But I didn't do any of that formally until I was probably 45 years old. So just stage these things and recognize that you can't do them all at once, but you can do them all if you simply create a, a timeline for their completion. Amanda says, how do you find your passion? I'm artistic yet analytical. I have done art, jewelry, computers, camping, martial arts, gardening, organizing, renovating, etc. Anything I've been interested in and passionate about seems to have a two-year attention span. Do you have any ideas for finding our direction passion? Well, when you describe the things that you're interested, they're all very artistic and creative. Art, jewelry, computers, camping, martial arts, gardening, organizing, and so on. So it's not like they're totally unrelated. And when you say that anything you're interested and passionate about seems to have a two-year attention span, let's break that down a little bit. Let me help you frame that a little bit. In 48 Days to the Work You Love, I distinguish between vocation, career, and job. See, vocation is the big picture. Vocation is... You know, what you want your life to accomplish, the legacy you want to leave, that, that's the big picture. And that should include your 
purpose, your mission, your calling, your destiny. I mean, those kind of things are all going to be part of your vocation. So if you want to help reduce pain and suffering in the world, I mean, that's fine. Career then is a subset of that. As a career to help reduce pain and suffering in the world, what could you do? Well, you could be a physician, you could be a nurse, you could be a pathologist, or you could be a massage therapist, you could be a politician, a teacher, a pastor. I mean, there's all kinds of things you could do that would effectively allow you to help reduce pain and suffering in the world. So there's a lot of careers in there. Job, let me go this one more step, then I'm going to back up a little bit. Job is the smallest component. So if we take one area there in the medical area, so we say that you could get a job in the Nashville, Tennessee as a nurse, and that would help you reduce pain and suffering in the world. Well, jobs for nurses only here in Nashville would probably give you four or 5,000 opportunities. Framing it in that way, we can see that job is the smallest component. It's what we do daily, but changing a job or even changing a career should not change your vocation, should not change your calling, should not change the direction of your life. So give yourself a little slack here. If you see that your passion is waning in a particular area, that's fine. Go into something else. But what you want to have is that continuing compass. You want to have a, a clear sense that your life is on the same track, even if you're passions and the things that you do daily change along the way. That's very legitimate. I mean, Joanne, my wife to this day calls me a three-year man. I mean, nothing keeps my attention over a very long period of time. I love change. I create change in most everything that I do. Um, I mean, we're leaving tomorrow morning and we're going to drive to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Now, typically, I mean, if you look at MapQuest, it would take us from Nashville, Tennessee, down through Chattanooga, down through Atlanta, down through Orlando. But Jared, my son, just asked me if we could take a couple boxes of the necklaces that they have shipped back here from Rwanda to one of their distribution points down in Tallahassee. I said, sure, no problem. Now, what that means is we're still going to go to Fort Lauderdale. But now instead of going down through Chattanooga and Atlanta, we're going to go down through Huntsville, Birmingham, and uh, down through, and that puts us right at a direct angle over to Tallahassee. It's a different direction. When we get to Tallahassee, you know, we're going to be more than halfway to Fort Lauderdale. We may see that there's some kind of an event going on in St. Augustine and decide to go over there for a couple of days. I mean, we still know where we're going to ultimately go, but we give ourselves a whole lot of leeway along the way to enjoy the experience, enjoy the journey. You can do the same. When you, when you set goals, set direction, decide what you're going to do for the next two years, it doesn't mean that you eliminate everything else out of your life. It just means that you have a direction, you have a plan for getting there. But yeah, along the way, you're going to experience a whole lot of interesting things. You know, why don't we do this? This is just for podcast listeners. You're a elite group. You all are very responsive and, uh, you know, involved. And I appreciate your involvement in so many ways. Use the askdan at 48days.com. Put in the subject line, my passion. Tell me what your passion is and why. Very simple. Just put, again, in the subject line, my passion Tell me what your passion is. I'll select 10 people just 
over the next, well, over the next 10 days or so. 10 people, and I'll uh, send you, I'll give you free access to the Learn and Grow Rich ebook and audio download that we just put up as a new product. 17 bucks, I'll get, pick 10 of you and send that to you. Send your note to askdan at 48days.com where you send email questions for the podcast. Put in a subject line, my passion. Just tell me what your passion is. I love hearing about the variety of passions that people have and what they're doing with those. And those things that people think are unrealistic and impractical often turn out to be the -the out-of-the-park successes once you put a plan together. Rob says, is it okay to create a business success binder with your materials and others such as Dale Carnegie? I've made myself a binder and thought others could use it too. Can I sell this as long as it shows you and the others as the copyright holders? Nope, you can't do that, Rob. Now, here's some options for things you can do. I mean, you, you can't do that. You can't take printed material, reproduce it, and sell it and make money on it. I mean, that's absolute direct copyright infringement. You'll get in lots of trouble doing that, whether it's my material or anybody else's. But you can be an affiliate of ours, as an example. You can go to 48days.com, sign up to be an affiliate of ours, and you get a commission on any of the products that you direct people to. And we send out lots of those checks. Happy to do that. I I think you get like 15 or 18% on anything. You can also buy anything that we have in bulk at deep discounts and resell them. So if you're going to buy copies of the new 48 Days to the Work You Love and you buy 50 of them at $10 a piece, I'm not sure exactly what the figures are, but let's say you buy 50 of them at $10 a piece and you sell sell them for $20 a piece. They retail for $21.99. You sell them for $20. You know, you just made a bunch of money there. You're going to make 500 bucks doing that. So you can do lots of things like that, but you cannot take material, reprint it, and sell it. That you cannot do. Kylie says, I am starting a crafting business on the side, making picture frames and door hangings. What are the legal aspects I need to think about? Some of my frames are very similar, not exactly but similar to other products, and I don't want to get into any legal issues. So you're making picture frames and door hangings. I really don't think there's any issues with that. I mean, this is not, the picture frames and door hangings are not things that are going to be patented. That would be the only kind of issue that you're talking about here if you duplicate somebody else's design. It would be very unusual for anything that you would run into in a picture frame to be patented and what that means is there's really no nothing prohibiting you from going ahead and duplicating it any way that you want to. Uh, there's really no issues with that. Don't don't worry yourself about it. Just go ahead and make it happen. Have fun with it. Tammy says, I've been studying affiliate marketing for over a year now and believe I could make a living at it. But because of some past really bad business decisions, I've been dragging my feet I don't know anyone in the business to bounce my thoughts off. So because I respect you, are people making good money with affiliate marketing? Yes, they are. I mean, affiliate marketing is one of the biggest money makers on the internet that there is. And that simply means that you are recommending somebody else's products and when they go there and purchase it, you get a commission on that. Very legitimate. I mean, lots and lots of us are doing that. I mean, I certainly do. I love affiliate marketing. 
But here's what I would suggest that you do when you say you don't have anybody to bounce your thoughts off. Go to 48days.net. Now, that's our growing group of people who are making their ideas happen. And it's thrilling to me every week to see the things that are being done on there. Man, we've got iPhone apps that are coming out of there, people that are raising capital, people that are doing videos and movies. I mean, uh, we featured a guy last week who has a, what is it called? Dairy. I think it's called Dairy at Your Doorstep. Anyway, he and his wife deliver milk and milk products cheese and yogurt and all that to people's doorsteps, just like they used to do in the old days where you get milk in a glass bottle, ecologically friendly, you know, right straight from the, from the dairy. I mean, it's just a great idea and really cool the way they've laid it out. It's very nicely done, but I love the kind of things that are coming out there, but I would encourage you, if you want to know about affiliate marketing, go to 48days.net, scroll about halfway down on the front page. You're going to see a big search bar right in the center. Just put in there affiliate marketing and have that search. You're going to get all kinds of discussions and insights from people who are on 48days.net about how they're using affiliate marketing. Just read through there. Now, I mean, again, I would encourage you, if you're interested in that, become a member. I don't know if you are or not, but perhaps you're not for the way it sounds, because if you are, you do have a resource of people to run your ideas by. And jump in there and figure that out. On the useful resources page on our site, on the 48 Days site, you're going to see a whole lot of affiliate marketing links. I mean, people ask us all the time, who do you use for your shopping cart, as an example? When somebody clicks on a product, it goes through a process that ultimately puts money in our bank. That's called a shopping cart. Who does that? Well, I tell people. It's one automation whiz is who we use. When they scroll down through there, they see that, they click on that for information. We have had hundreds of people that have elected to use that same company. That creates a commission for us every single month that they use that. I mean, we have lots of things that are set up like that, and I'm very open about that. I mean, again, this is nothing uh, deceitful at all. This is a legitimate way to build different revenue streams in your business, and we use a lot of that. Recently, I got an email. It was one of those emails, you know, ka-ching, you just made blah, 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 and it said, you just made $1,375 as an affiliate commission, and I thought, well, yeah, right, you know, they probably had the decimal in the wrong place. It's probably $13.75. And I went on, well, ultimately I came back to that and I scrolled down and read through. And yes, in fact, someplace, somewhere, I mean, it was a company I hadn't heard of in years, but it's somewhere there's an affiliate link in our website and a reader had gone through, got excited about what they were showing and purchased a training program that was like $3,500. And however that works out, our commission in fact, on that one purchase was $1,375. So yes, it's a very legitimate thing to do. When you say that you're kind of a gun shy because of some past mistakes that have been made, remember what I started out, Jessica Jackley, at the beginning here, I said there are three mistakes she says entrepreneurs make. One of those is hesitation, indecision, just not being willing to pull the trigger. So be careful you don't get stuck you don't get cooked in the squat, as Zig Ziglar says. Yeah, just go ahead and jump in there. There's there's really very little risk in what you're talking about. I mean, affiliate marketing, we do on both sides of the fence, meaning we have a whole lot of sites that we recommend. 
as useful resources on in our material. People go there, it generates sales, and that comes back to us. I mean, I mean, there are lots and lots of people every single day that request my reading list. Now, the reason they request it is because everything that I write, I put in there, if you want to change your success level, the best thing to do is to start reading great books. And if you want to know what I recommend, here's my list. Just send an email to reading at 48days.com. Anybody who does that gets an autoresponder that takes them right to the site on 48days.com with all the books that I recommend. And I really do recommend there that there's nothing on there that I haven't read that I really think is valuable. But if somebody orders there, it goes right through Amazon. We don't stock those. It goes right through Amazon. But every month, Amazon puts a nice little check in my account because I'm an affiliate. Every book that's purchased there triggers an affiliate commission. So yes, it's a very legitimate way to go and you can do the same. All right, Daryl says... Daryl says, I've been living in Ecuador for several years. I'm currently teaching English and was previously in ministry. However, I haven't found anything I'm really passionate about yet. I would like to take my Ecuadorian family back to the USA, but isn't it risky leaving without a career plan? Should I look into, into getting a job before moving? Well, I would suspect that you should. If you move back here without a job before moving, you're likely to hear your wife coming alongside you. Well, hey, you know that I pulled that out. That's an old, old song, The Silhouettes, 1958. All right, get a job. Well, you want to have a better plan than that, obviously. You want to know in advance what it is you're doing. Now, let me say, I better watch where I go with this because uh, some of you who know my history. Uh, know some of the things that I've done. When I say that you need a job, you don't really need a job, but you need to have a plan. You need to know what it is that you're going to do when you hit the ground. Now, moving across country like that, you could do a job search just like we lay out. You can do a job search from a distance. That's not really a big issue. What I've done in times when we've moved, and we've moved, I mean, we moved frequently when our kids were small and knowing my sense of adventure Desire for change allowed us to move frequently. And there were times, I mean, we moved when I was about, um, I was about 37 years old, I guess. We had two small children. We moved from California, and I'm California, back to Bowling Green, Kentucky. We decided we didn't want to raise our kids in smog and congestion. We had had a blast out there for five years, but we moved Back to Bowling Green, Kentucky, we were within a one day's drive of family by being there. But we moved back there and I didn't have a clue what I was going to do. I really didn't. But I have always been very comfortable 
knowing that I could be dropped anywhere in the country and very quickly come up with things that I was going to do. Now, I know that I'm employable. I I guess I say that I probably am not really. Um, People would be wise to not hire me as an employee. It would be a disaster for everybody. But I mean, there are certainly things that I could fall back on, I suppose, but I've never thought that way. I've always known that I can land somewhere and just simply figure things out and find opportunities to make money. If it's starting a yard service or painting houses, which I've done a lot, or remodeling or buying and selling cars, and there's a lot of things I can do. So I've never thought in terms of I've got to have a job to have the stability so I can move. We've moved at the drop of a hat because we wanted to live somewhere else. And then I just knew I could figure it out. Now, I know that that's not true for everyone. I know that's not going to be a comfort level for everyone, and I understand that. So you have to evaluate how comfortable are you with that. Can you, in fact, within 10 days of hitting a new country, come up with something that will actually generate income? If you don't have the confidence of that, then obviously find something that you make the connections in advance. Do your job search. Do your interviewing. All those things that you need to do so you get a position. If you know clearly what your skills are and what the application of those are, that's not an unrealistic process, whether you're moving across town, across the country, or in fact, to another country. Uh, My daughter-in-law is here right now. They're getting ready to go back to uh, Mombasa. Well, actually get back, go back. They've never lived there. They were living in Kigali, Rwanda, but they're going to move to Mombasa. Well, she's in contact with all kinds of organizations there who would love to have her involved. The distance really is not an issue, even when it is on the other side of the world like that. So yeah, do that. Figure out what it is that you want to do. Who do you want to be connected with? You can do target your companies, do your advanced job search, get your resume put together, send that out, and you can do that from a distance, no problem. Well, you know what? We're we're out of time on this one. I'm going to wrap this up. Again, just to remind you, I mentioned a couple times here how people are doing things at 48days.net. I cannot say enough about that group. I mean, I, it, it doesn't make any difference to me if you are involved there or if you're not, but if you are a person who's serious about growing an idea, then I think it's short-sighted to not be involved there. You go there, you're going to see people who in very short periods of time have launched businesses that are now very successful. And the people that we see rise to the top, you know, end up as advisors, speakers at events that we've got, a lot of things going on where people have made themselves very well known by being involved at that site. So if you've got an idea you want to develop, check out the 48days.net. And there's no there's no fee, there's no membership requirements, nothing like that at all. It's simply a place to get advice and share ideas. If you hey, if you want to have me come speak to your organization, I'm getting a lot of requests for that, but I'm mapping out the rest of the year pretty quickly. If there's an organization, your church, community, your business, your company, where you'd like to have me come in and speak, shoot that past us. You can you can just run an email past speak at 48days.com. Those get screened and we'll give you some options on that. Be happy to talk to you about that. And if you have questions, you got a question listening has stimulated a question for you that you have just shoot that to ask dan at 48days.com or go to the podcast link you'll see a little template template there to help you submit your question well i hope that you are having a wonderful week that you are in fact 
figuring this whole thing out that you're finding or creating work that you love. And as I mentioned at the top of the hour, not only the work that you love, but the life that you love. Plenty of opportunity to do that. We're in the beginning of a great new year here. Opportunities are plentiful. Find what fits you, what's authentic for you, what brings you to life, what makes your heart sing. Put legs on that. Have a great year and have a great week. We'll talk to you next week.